Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, video gamers. This is the Hit Pod Start Podcast, and this is our first ever, uh, what would we call it, Marshy? Uh, special guest. Special guest, yeah, our first ever. Featured. Our first ever special yeah, first guest. Ever special... Yeah. Our, our, first, our first ever special guest is Chris from Aberrant Realities. Um, uh, he's a gaming developer based in Canberra, Australia. Um, and you can find him on his website, uh, aberrantrealities.com. His Twitter, uh, at A-B-R-E-A-L-D-E-V. Yeah. Yep. Um, and you can find him on his Steam store, uh, Steam, uh, HTTPS, uh, forward slash store, dot steampowered.com forward slash app forward slash eight six nine five five zero forward slash <laughs> double underscore shot underscore yeah and we'll, and we'll make sure we uh put that on our socials as well um <laughs> all right so chris introduce yourself uh well as you've said before as you've introduced me so well my name is chris um i am a game designer at uh, aberrant realities and we've just come back from PAX a few weeks ago. We've just uh, released our game Double Shot into Early Access, and you've so graciously invited me back onto your your uh, podcast. Yes. Uh, this was a previous podcast I used to do. Um, if for all our new... With all for our new listeners. Um, so uh, I appreciate you coming back onto our podcast. To, to, uh, I appreciate you coming back to talk to me. And to my friend Marshy. Well, yeah. it's always fun. I met you guys for the first time at PAX, which was super exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. Seeing you had a massive line the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, from what yeah we had also. a <laughs> it was It was a long weekend. Yes. <laughs> you look tired. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we'll, we'll just touch on PAX since we're, we're already on that. Um, so with events like PAX, how does this contribute to your end result in a game like... Does it give you information that you wanted for the development of of uh, Double Shot VR? I think it was. I think it was really helpful to us in the sense that we got to see the general public's reaction to it, which was something that we because we haven't had that much exposure in general. It was super cool to have that level of exposure to be kind of the center of the attention for that particular area. Mm-hmm. Um, we were in a really good spot, as you can see. We were like on the corner, so we had the EB store behind us. We had the five other awesome um, indie showcase games next to us, and it just made the whole thing really, really cool and such yeah. a good atmosphere. And people responded really well to that as well. They responded well to the booth. Yeah, I, yeah. I found it really good for you guys too, being right at the front as soon as they walked in from the main entrance. You're right there, sort of thing. Yeah, that would well, have been really. Uh, apparently that's a new thing that they've done where they've moved the indie section to the front and yeah. I think it definitely attracted more people than it normally would oh 100% yeah um, that's really good so uh, did you get any uh, decent feedback from that that made you change your game in any way um, look I got a couple of follow up emails that were super handy to read um, generally people just love the game it's kind of hard to give feedback in the spare of the moment we had a couple of really good bits and pieces. Um, 
We've also been getting a fair bit of playtesting done and all that sort of thing. That's been really helpful to us. And as our market is growing a little bit more, like even looking at some of the reviews that we've been left on Steam, it's been handy to see what's going on there and then kind of uh, focusing our efforts based on that. Yeah. So you you mentioned it was in early access? Yeah. So we basically had uh, what, what we were showing off at PAX with a little bit more um, as a build, so a couple more levels and stuff in there. And yeah. we thought, look, we're not like we we wanted something actionable that we could do at PAX, which was to sell uh, game keys. And we decided that, well, releasing it in early access was probably the best way that we could make sure that we got those sales, that we got that feedback, mm-hmm. that and that we would be happy with what we were actually um, putting out there. Yeah, and I think that was yeah. something that we were really concerned about was. When you're putting something on early access, I think you always want to put your best foot forward um, for fear mm. of any repercussions there. And I think that we did okay in terms of what of what we uh, have delivered, but there's definitely room there for growth. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, were you going to say something, Marshall? Yeah, I was going to say like that way of marketing as well can help you out as well for bugs and things like that, just in case there is any that you might not have, or you might have missed or. And it, it's just kind of good marketing as well for new, like a new market or a diverse market for people that didn't go to PAX, but their friends did and they told, told them about it. And I can understand how putting your game out there with little exposure, like you said, it's it'd be very hard to choose the right level to kind of be confident going out there with because I know some of the other games out there they didn't really u- utilize some of the their better levels they could have to grab people's attentions more of your AAA sort of games I've, like with Kingdom Hearts and things like that but how did you find choosing the right level or kind of going forward with it I think like, what, we we had spent a lot of time and this is leading back to the thing that you said where you know you always have to show off your best level i think we had a level that we had spent a lot of time working on yeah and that was the one that we were showing people that was the one that we were saying this is what the game looks like mm-hmm. and yeah. that has always been kind of our starter level for lack of a better term because it's the level it's the first one that you unlock yep. um and it's kind of one that we designed to basically be just this nice like soft flowing level where the bad guys are always coming at you in your cone of vision so you can kind of keep track of them. It's basically just one of the easier levels. And yeah. because our game actually has a pretty steep learning curve to it, not because it's particularly uh, difficult, there's just a lot of information that we're throwing at the player. Oh, okay, so a lot of, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, it means that if we're going to show something off, we need to make sure that it's an enjoyable experience because if you have people who are just sitting there kind of uh, trying to work out the game at the same time they're getting shot in the head then it's not really um Fun. enjoyable yeah yeah i can see that no well obviously it was a great choice because people kept lining up to go to it and now with the sales of your game keys for early access you've obviously gone the right way uh have you hit a uh, your target that you wanted to for your uh early access or are you still aiming for that target I think that because this is the first game we've ever released, we weren't sure what kind of targets mm-hmm. uh, we wanted to set. Sales were about about roughly what what we expected. Yep. Um, 
to us, I think that, look, while sales are great, we're obviously going to push forward and with our marketing and all that sort of thing to try and get some more sales where this was just a really awesome kind of project to work on. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that it got nominated for PAX and all that sort of thing was just kind of a nice little little sidebar of, like, yeah. enjoyment. Yeah. Hmm. Nice, nice. Okay. That would have been great, but, yeah, yeah go on. Uh, so... No, no, I was going to... Oh, you go. Sorry. No, I was just saying that would have been a great kind of motivator to keep pushing on and branch out as well into other VR games or even outside of VR games. It, that looked like a fun game. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was, it's kind of a game that is designed is like, we purposely made it really fun to watch yeah, as well yeah. by, um, you know, one of the programmers added in like a spectator camera that switches perspectives, you know, we got the scoreboard and all that up there. And it's just, it's just fun to watch people in VR. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm looking at purchasing a VR for Christmas for myself. So <laughs> I'm, I'm actually really, really psyching myself up for it. Um, and, and your game is something that I was, I was interested in, including uh, a bunch of other bigger games like Beat Saber. Yeah, Beat Saber has just been doing amazingly. Like, yeah, and a lot of it. Obviously, it's a fun game in of itself, but their marketing was just on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, the first time I ever saw it was a Facebook video that was just going around. I didn't even know they were actually going to put it into a game. Like at that stage, because this was like a while ago when I saw it, and it was just sick to look at, like <laughs> swords and shit. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a fun looking game that one. But um, yeah, so yeah, I'm looking forward to getting my VR system. I keep talking about it. It's something I keep talking about. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, so what what is your job? Uh, my job is mostly at the moment. Um, basically just diving into spreadsheets is what I've been doing for the past few days. Just um, making sure that everything is kind of up to scratch in terms of our, uh, in terms of like our, at the moment I'm working on a lot of the the monetary values for things in our game. So obviously there's, there's no microtransactions, but you know, you're a bartender, you're earning money. You yeah. want to be able to spend that, that money on, on things. So we've added things like, um, you know, voice packs for the bar. We've added um, weapon attachments. So, like, one of the weapons now explodes when you throw it away. Oh, nice. uh, one of them shoots, uh, like, kind of noxious poison steam clouds everywhere. Um, we've now got an airstrike you can call in. So you just pull the pin, throw the smoke grenade, and an airstrike comes down. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> so I think... When we were designing stuff for Double Shot, it's always just been about making it as dumb as possible. Yeah, and I think we, I think we <laughs> kind of. Oh, we thought we'd have fun doing it. <laughs> you know, that's great. <laughs> sort of like our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> just you just have fun doing it, and and it'll, it'll come. I guess why not? Hmm. Absolutely. Well, is that is that what got you into the field you're working in, or is it just your love for games? And you just thought, I could do that. I'm going to create mine and go for it. I think there is a cockiness there at the start where you think that making game, that like you're going to make the next, you know, Skyrim or whatever. And mm. you sort of go like, you know, this is, and then by about the first year or year and a half, you start to realize just how truly and utterly screwed you are in a lot of ways. Um, <laughs> and it becomes, 
it, <laughs> it becomes more about finding a way to survive and a way to still yeah. get still get to do what you enjoy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because at the moment you'd be more freelancing sort of for yourselves, really, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. And like yeah. we've gotten, we've had a fair bit amount of contract work simply due to the fact that we're working in virtual reality mm. and we have that experience, that's and right. that's been helpful. But to be a sustainable game studio requires so much more than what we currently. Have. Yeah, yeah, I but, can understand that. Yeah, like, and, um, oh, sorry, go on. And that's not that's not to say that we're going to stop making games or anything like that. That's more of a statement of. Uh, uh, appreciation, especially down in Melbourne, for a lot of the companies that are able to do that full time and are able to make these absolutely amazing games. Because one of the big things that kind of blew me away when we went down to Melbourne was just seeing that kind of sea of like made in Melbourne games in the indie section and just the quality that was being produced. There. And the fact that you know you're, you're rubbing shoulders with games there like Ashen, um, yeah, games like mm-hmm. Downfall. And just all these really cool indie games that are really heavy hitters in terms of uh, their creators and all that sort of thing. We were talking to the guys yeah. from Soundful for for a while, and they were just such like genuinely nice dudes, genuinely enjoyable to talk to. And one of the things that someone did mention at one point was just how tight knit and like friendly the Australian uh, indie game community was. Yeah. And everyone was mm. really kind to each other. Everyone was helping each other out. And that's something that I've noticed as well, is just if we have that's a right. question, there is someone around there who will answer it or introduce it. Um, we had a company who we became friends with through you know, a series of circumstances on Twitter um, from Melbourne, and they were like sending people over to our booth, and we were sending people over to their booth. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, you enjoyed VR, right. try this game. And it's just, it's just, it makes the whole PAX experience great better yeah, yeah so that, much better yeah, that's great and you could you could probably like like coming from me not being a game developer or anything like that just love to play games hearing you guys tell us to go to another booth is kind of reassuring that it's going to be a good, good experience yeah it's going to be a great experience and you all appreciate each other and that gives a really good vibe so i mean i i like that sort of community with any creative industry or discipline so more for it one of the hardest things at least in our case and i don't want to speak too generally but for us has been how do you let people know that your game is actually good and yeah without sounding cocky without sounding too cocky and without you know telling them something that they've all heard before because you know you've all heard you know this is going to be the latest and greatest thing yeah. Uh, in terms of, you know, open world, procedurally generated, and, you know, all those buzzwords that get thrown around a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, I'll, like, I'll, a lot of them are thrown around, rightly so, because the game does contain it. It is a selling point of the game. But it's so easy to get lost in the noise of what the gameplay actually is and what the game should be. And that's been one of the hardest things for us is how do we actually... And that's something that no one really teaches you. Like, um, in terms of what they teach you in game development, they teach you how to program something, how to design something. They don't really teach you how to talk about your game in a business sense, how to say, look, we're going to sell it for this. Like, and that's something that, um, my postgraduate studies covered a little bit. Um, when I graduated from AIE and I went into the 
uh, graduate diploma there. That was really handy. Oh, yeah. But there was just so much there that we didn't know that would have made mm. our release so much better. Mm. Yeah. No, I can see that. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. That, yeah, it's, yeah, I can see how you'd struggle. <laughs> like, to, not struggle, but just now that you look back on you're like, shit, I could have said this, or I could have said that, and it could have influenced something else. Yeah. yeah. Because when you're, especially when you're selling for, um, for VR, which has such a such a small player base, mm. every sale counts. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. VR doesn't have the. Uh, it, it. I'm assuming it's getting bigger because of the prices are are coming down a lot. Um, especially like the PSVR. Are you on PSVR? Um, we're currently not on PSVR. Okay, and I say that that currently. Um, yeah, we're yeah. not really sure what like what the plan is from here we're still kind of talking about it and making plans and yeah yeah you know doing all that sort of thing um psvr is really interesting because it's one of the headsets that's actually sold quite well because uh, of the price yeah. it's a price it's a yeah. hundred like it's it's a hundred dollars minimum cheaper mac yeah like a hundred dollars at least a hundred dollars cheaper than the next one up like it's a it's a, yeah and this, that's the first thing I looked at was a PSVR, but I'm going to go with something uh, computer based instead. Anything about Vive or Rift? Uh, no, I'm I'm going a mixed reality headset. Awesome, yes. So they're one of the cooler headsets out there, honestly, just because they're <laughs> like they're, they're 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 doing something different that's interesting, and there's a lot more of a competitive price. Yeah, like yeah. it's an extra hundred and something dollars. Over to VR, uh, PSVR, but and then I get to plug it into my computer, which is a better system in the end than a PlayStation, a higher a higher capacity system that I can play a more of a range of games on. Yeah, and our game technically works on Windows Mixed Reality. Okay, cool. I'll 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 uh I'll be I'll be getting a copy a hundred percent. I don't think we were a hundred percent aware that it did work on Windows Mixed Reality, but we got a um. We got a Steam review saying that it worked on Windows Mixed Reality, and we were like, "Perfect, we can awesome. say it works on on Windows Mixed Reality now." <laughs> yeah, because you use the oh, uh, Oculus and the Vive, don't you normally? Yeah, and yeah. like it's easy for us to use them because we got dev kits, or you know, we sort of paid for them out of our own money, and it's a much more justifiable cost for it. Yeah, but for your average consumer, it's kind of that holy shit. Do I really want to invest in this technology moment? And technology yeah. that's forever upgrading, like it's still in that early stage of where it's still a bit, uh, it's 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 just like it's a anything can go in that where we're at at the moment with VR. I think absolutely it becomes that whole early adopter thing, and for a lot of people, that's a scary problem. Yeah, especially when the prices are in the in five hundred plus for a basic. Oculus or Revolve. I think they're a bit cheaper now, but I'm not quite sure. I haven't really looked into them too much. But yeah, that that price tag is like, oh man, I'm not sure if I want I want to go five hundred dollars in on uh, something that I might not like, or you know, I might not play that much, or I might not use that much. Yeah, which yeah. which hurts <laughs> your sales, I guess, as well, because the, as you said, there's not as big of a player base as a a standard indie game. On your Steam or on the, um, like a Nintendo Switch or something like that. 
I think we we always knew that going in that that would be the case. So I don't think it was ever like a. Um, I don't think that 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 was ever like a a deal breaker for us was the fact that we might not make as much money by yeah. doing VR. I think we just wanted to make something in VR, and yeah, that's money. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes money doesn't always lead you to do great things. I guess so. I mean. You made a game. Are you proud of it? You know? Yeah. And honestly, I think that there's going to be a point soon where we say, look, this was cool to make. I enjoyed this. Let's go and do something. Yeah. And move on to another game. Because I think if you spend too much time kind of festering on what has been and thinking about what could have been, then you're yeah. going to end up just, just driving yourself up the wall with mm. all of the decisions Both that points. you did or didn't make. Sort of. Yeah. And you'll be stuck in that time, kind of. In that vicious cycle, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, okay. I can say that. So VR games are becoming are quickly becoming more and more popular. So, like in in five years' time, do you think they they will have overtaken systems like the PlayStation, Xbox, or will they always keep this uh, niche? I guess the word is for it that they're just like that system that is a cool system, but it's not a PlayStation or your Xbox. I think it's going to just become like another PlayStation or Xbox where it's like a preferred platform. Um, I think a lot of people, there still are a lot of uh, stigmas that need to be overcome with VR, i.e., you know, motion sickness and mm-hmm. all of those other things that people kind of are still a little bit worried about. Um, oh, I get it. I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was a very real thing there for a while when you were using like the, the old Oculus headsets and all that sort of thing where you were sitting still and the picture was moving and all that sort of thing. It was just awful. Now it's a lot better. Um, I think some people still would get motion sickness here and it's like, who's going to make games for them? I think one of the biggest hurdles that uh, Oculus or that, sorry, virtual reality in general needs to overcome is uh, accessibility and how you're making sure that your platform is as inclusive as possible for the majority of people playing and how you can deliver everyone the best experience that they can possibly have. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. Because, like, that's the whole reason why I have been avoiding VR, because I do get motion sickness from, like, I get nauseated pretty quickly from it. Yeah, so, so do I. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. If, but there's games like, me or... like, like Beat Saber, and I'm, I'm assuming, like, even your game where you're kind of moving your body instead of just sitting still. Yeah. And that's the huge saving grace for a lot of people who get motion sick. Like it's the fact that when you control the movements, it all makes it makes much more sense to your brain as opposed to everything moving around you. Yeah. Um. And even just general accessibility stuff. Like one of the big things that we were like shit when we were um, showcasing was our bar is at a certain height, so people who were shorter than you know the shortest person on on the dev team couldn't see over the bar Uh, and it was kind of this point where we were like well we need to make sure that you know people who might not be like as tall as us for whatever reason need to be able to see over the bar so that they can actually play our game yeah yeah so okay like oops sorry go on it's it's all of those things that are going to be one of the bigger hurdles or one of the many hurdles that need to be overcome is to ensure that and even the fact that um, there's a guy who in our co-working space who only has one arm and 
he wanted to play our game and it was like, well, I can't give you both controllers. Yeah. So you try and play one handed. And look, to his credit, he was able to do it. Um, but it was kind of that point of like, well, how do we make this game now accessible for someone like him who, you know, can only use one, one controller or, you know, yeah. is yeah. sitting down while they're playing sort of thing. And it's just, it's all those considerations that I think will make or break virtual reality and making sure that you're not alienating your audience before they even get to sit down and play your game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That makes complete sense. That, And that, I guess that's a huge hurdle that has to be overcome eventually, but it's when... I mean, uh, well, we just spoke about Spyro, <laughs> about the whole subtitle thing. Yeah, now, the case there was that subtitles just weren't included uh, yeah. in the game. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that was pretty much it, really. And they just didn't find it feasible... To add them in. To, to add them in, and they another excuse was to make it more like the original. Apparently the original never had any, which I don't remember because it was that long ago, but... <laughs> I'll have to Google that after. <laughs> yeah. That's that's interesting to me because there's currently this this debate about you know making games for everyone and it's like if you're straight off the bat ensuring that people can't play your game purely because you've uh, failed to include a basic feature it becomes like well at what point do you say you know this needs to be included in a game at the bare minimum and I think that. VR still hasn't had its, these are the accessibility options that need to be included at a bare minimum moment. Because when you, when you say a game doesn't have subtitles in it, you're like, well, well, how the heck are people with hearing impairments meant to play it? How the heck are, you know, people that like subtitles? Yeah. That, that, that just want to play with subtitles, like how they're meant to play it. And I think VR hasn't had that gotcha moment of these are the problems yeah. Sorry, I'm speaking from my own personal experience here. Of these are the problems. Yeah. Yeah. That haven't been quite addressed yet, and I think that that's something that we're kind of interested in looking at a little bit more and making sure that we're addressing in our games. Yeah. Well, you know, if you start, it could be like a domino effect. Other guy, other game, like developers. You know, that's it could change the whole VR industry for the better, and get that kind of attention from those people who have those impairments or illnesses or something like that, that, or health issues, that could be like, well, you know what? Spyro didn't do this for me, like for PlayStation. I'm going to get a VR. There's, they're, they're delivering to my needs. Yeah. Bang. Well, look, if people want to come from Spyro straight to VR, they're more than I was just using that as a recent example. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that you are completely correct there. It's like... Who's going to include me? And it's... It's hurting people in the long... It's hurting companies in the long term more than it is to not include it. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. As as, uh, uh, Marshy said... uh, we spoke. We spoke about this uh, in a bit, a bit in length during this uh, our recording of this week's podcast. We we did we did another one earlier. Um, so this is our second one today. Go us. <laughs> Kick a goal. Twice as many as two weeks ago. Doing well. 
So um yeah, yeah. like not not including something so so simple like it I can't imagine it being super hard or cost effective really. Yeah, I mean, yeah. cost sorry efficient inefficient. Yeah. Like, I mean like fuck. Do you don't obviously do you have voice actors in your game? We do. We do. Um however we kind of reached that point where it was like we made sure that anything that we're saying wasn't essential to the game. So we've essentially got the situation of you don't actually need sound to play the game yeah. because it actually got to a point where we were showcasing the game without sound. We were like, people are still getting it. Hmm. And I think the problem with doing that is budget starts to play a factor in including things like subtitles and all that. But I think yeah. at, at, at the end of the day, it eventually becomes money well spent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's mostly about weighing that up. Like, um, essentially, we've made double shot uh, at literally uh, for zero dollars, essentially. So none of us have received in any way, shape, or form any monetary compensation from making double shot. And yeah. that's been our lives for the past uh, two years. I'm not saying that's. But as a good thing, I'm not. And there was this recent conversation about crunch and making sure that you're treating yourself fairly and all that sort of thing. Yeah. We most certainly did not treat ourselves fairly while we were making this, but we're proud of what we made. And I think that um, when you're having these discussions about these uh, these ethical, I want to call them dilemmas to an extent. Yep. Um, indies have a pretty hard time of it trying to do these things themselves. And I think that unless the money is there, it's pretty hard to pull it off. That being said, I think that it needs to become more and more stock standard to do these things. And I think that's something that even we as a company need to work on more is making sure that our games are are as accessible as possible to people. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't not agree with that. So We'll, we'll move on. <laughs> so, would you have any other advice for anyone who is just starting in game development? Or... Um, it depends on what they're trying to achieve. If they're trying to make a career out of this, yeah. Um, don't do it. There's... <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm sure that six six months ago, a very uh, tired and jaded me probably would have said that. Um, I think that it is achievable, but I think that you've got to understand that the journey there isn't exactly going to be the Rainbow easiest. Cloud. Yeah, it's yeah. and it's it's not going to be the easiest one. Um, I think that there's a misconception that you need a formal education. Or you you know need to go to a to a game development school in order to become a game developer. It helps, but if you're pretty happy if you're pretty happy with your own skills, um, I think that one of the biggest or best things that uh, going to a game school did for me at least was it exposed me to the kind of people I'm going to be work with. It taught me how to work in a team. It taught me how to um, remove go from projects how to get along with people sort of thing it's so easy to to have these projects that are so uh ego driven and so you know they're your projects they're your baby sort of things that you become 
quite um quite blind to the Protect- flaws in them quite yeah you, you become extremely protective of them and i think that that's a dangerous thing yeah um yeah, so i learned a lot of soft skills uh at game development school as well as the like the actual hard skills of how to create things yeah and i think that's the big kind of like tipping point for a lot of people is like having those soft skills versus not having them so it all just basically amounts to um making sure that i'm going to try and bring this question back around because i've kind of taken it off on a no that's fine that's fine that's fine um bringing it back around to surrounding yourself with people different than yourself while you're making your game because they're going to bring unique perspectives to your game. Yep. Uh, great. Sure that the game that you're making, if you're making a game to make money, understand how you're going to make the money. If you're making a game to make yourself feel good, make whatever you want. Yeah. 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 And I guess that's like, yeah, there's a going. big, big indie community around who, Definitely want to help. That's yeah. Well, you know what? That's that's great for anyone that is listening. And if you do want to start development, you know, at least the, at least they will feel a little bit more welcomed into the idea of indie games and it, like even creating them. So I I feel like those were really great tips, uh, especially with the whole immersing yourself around different kinds of people because you will have different kinds of perspectives. And different ideas that could float around that you could manipulate in your way if you're going solo on a project or even if you're working in a team, which working in a team would be a lot easier, wouldn't it? <laughs> it is and it isn't. Like, you know, yeah. you kinda you kind of have to do what you all want in a way. Yeah. yeah. At least that's 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 our team team dynamic. Um and that's fine. Yeah. But what I think is the big takeaway from us working in a team is make sure that you really want to work together. And we were pretty lucky because we all did want to work together. Yeah. Yeah. But look, that's something that you just discover along the way. It's not like a, you know, make or break. If you, if I worked with this person once and it sucked and now we're stuck forever. The truth is that you're not stuck. You know, you have options. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh. I get that. So, what are, what are some do's and don'ts when make when making a a game like Double Shot VR, uh, or any or any game like that, yeah, any game for that matter? Um, I think one of the biggest things when we're making Double Shot was just keeping our scope small. And you think that you're keeping your scope of your game small, but the truth is you're not really. It's actually becoming this this huge monolithic thing that's going to be impossible to finish so and this is this is leading back to that whole uh kind of kill like kill your own ideas sort of thing is making sure that you can keep your ideas nice and condensed is going to be a huge boon to you yeah okay i got no idea about game development so um the code just have fun doing it as well yeah, like, don't forget totally do one look. <laughs> yeah, to have fun doing it is pretty much pretty much like anything in life, isn't it? Like, just have fun. If you're not having fun doing it, it's hard to do it after a while. Sometimes, it's like, sometimes it's it's like any other job where it feels like work, and it should it should feel like work. 
But yeah. if it's getting to the point where, you know, you're burning yourself out on it, you're miserable, then you've kind of got to look at why, like how you got there and why you're still doing this, if it makes you feel that way. And I think that's a pretty big uh, lesson that a fair few people who I went through uh, AIE with had was, is this really what I want to do? Like, I enjoy playing games. Does that mean that I really want to make games? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah. I, I'm guessing that you made that decision within yourself that you do want to make video games because you enjoy video games. I'm an incredibly stubborn person. <laughs> yeah. So, what, what, like, what, what got you into uh, indie development or develop gaming development? I think it was always just something that I kind of wanted to do. Like, I think when I looked at all the jobs around, and I was like, "This all sucks," and the idea of making games, the idea of making stories that other people could enjoy was the interesting thing to me, was the thing that kind of made me go, well, you know, if I'm going to be doing something, I might as well be doing something I enjoy. Yeah. And along the way, I had to make those conscious decisions that this is a lifestyle choice. If I'm going to do it this way, this is, you know, it's going to require me to do this, this, and this in order to pay bills, in order to, you know, keep the rent uh, coming in and all that sort of thing. And that was... That that was a particularly hard decision um, because in a lot of ways it felt like my life was going backwards, not forwards. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, and this was after a pretty pretty extensive chats with the team, and I kind of we had this moment of clarity where one of them said, uh, "I'll I'll never forget what he said." He basically said, "This is what you want to do, isn't it?" And along the way, I had kind of forgotten completely that this was what I wanted to do. I had simply been focusing on. You know, the idea of having money, the idea of, you know, living a, 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 my life a certain way. And yeah. it, it, it took a bit, but I kind of went back to the whole idea of, well, no, I want to live my life this way. And it was a really good moment for me because it taught me exactly what it was that I wanted to do with what I was doing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's, that's some great insight well, there. Yeah, that that's... Uh, yeah, no, I've, you, you really do take... like. You really do kind of go away from what actually got you into it. I've noticed that with, because I, I studied a bit of audio. I, I never finished my course or anything like that because I could just YouTube it as I found out. <laughs> yeah. But um, it did teach me the soft skills like what you were speaking about before, and even just making music. It's the same. It's the same concept, just different discipline, really. Absolutely. And and um. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you 100%. Like, I went off the path, obviously, a little bit, but I do want to go back into it, but more just for fun rather than work, more as a hobby sort of thing. And I think that's that's fine to do. And, and yeah, a lot of people treat for you. game dev like that. Like, it's a hobby to them. It's, you know, mm. bust out a game every now and then. Yeah. And that's cool. That's fine. Like, I want people to do that. I want people to game dev comfortably to their own time their own wants their own needs yeah yeah i think for me however it's become a lifestyle choice because of how deeply invested i am in our company and what i do and all that sort of thing and to me once you make that decision you start to really understand your own motivations for why you're doing it 
And just yeah. if you said where well, you've understood that you realistically want to do it as a hobby and it's going to be the kind of hobby that could eventually lead into something more serious, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Whether you, like, yeah. that is provided that you obviously want it to, you know, you might not want it to lead into something more serious. But I think the idea that you need to be either a game developer or you're not is a thing of the past nowadays because of how easy it is for people to create their own games and yeah. obviously how easy it is for people to publish their own games to a storefront like steam yeah yeah and nintendo's yeah. bringing that out as well that it's just super easy you buy the pack for x amount of dollars i don't even know how much it is and you can put your own game on there which is great because suddenly you have this whole new platform that you're targeting yeah and like yeah it's good for indie games and, and it's good for nintendo they're they're making a killing out of it obviously oh man their decision to allow uh, indie devs onto their platform, I think, is just an absolutely brilliant. Mm, yeah. Um, and it's weird because Nintendo's always been that company that that's just been weird about stuff like that. <laughs> very um, unorthodox. Yeah, very unorthodox by Nintendo. Like they'd shut down a indie game that co- kind of copied. I don't know, copied them, but. Um, they'd shut down an indie game because of that. Now they're letting indie games onto their platform. I don't know. Like, it's a, it's a Nintendo thing to do what they've done. <laughs> I think I think it's a very big uh, attitude adjustment on their part, and I think it's one that's doing them a lot of. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Oh, it will. It, it, It'll put them back in the ballpark. What PlayStation, Xbox, and it's just a weird. And, especially... I, I like Nintendo. I like um. I'd never shoot on Nintendo because um, I'm a big Nintendo fan, but it's such a Nintendo thing to be weird like that. <laughs> so, I mean, we, we, Luke and I grew up on Nintendo. I don't know about yourself. I don't know if you were if you um, were older, but <laughs> like... I had a Nintendo 64. Yeah. Um, oh, right, of in the late, <laughs> I want to say late 90s, like early 2000s, I had yeah. one. Um, I, was, I was pretty late to the party with that. Um, I eventually diverged into more PC, Xbox sort of thing. Yeah. But I think one of the things that always stayed with me was that, and I can kind of map out parts of my life based on games. And I think a lot of other game fans can do that as well, where they can say like, oh, you know, 2012 was just using me for an example, was when I discovered Dota 2. And now like, <laughs> you know, five like 5,000 hours later, you know, like I'm still playing, you know, I'm watching all the tournaments and doing all that sort of thing. Like, yeah. And I think that mm. there's this huge resurgence at the moment of that whole nostalgia. And I think that that's yeah. something that Nintendo has always been extremely good at is saying like, you know, people love the NES or here's a, here's a, ti- like, yeah. here's a little tiny NES that you can play. Like um, my partner bought a Switch um, a few, like a, a week or so ago and I've been watching, watching her play it and watching her enjoy uh, let's go Eevee and all that sort of thing. Um, and <laughs> it's, it's she's actually roped me into like catching Eevees on Pokemon Go for and all that sort of thing. <laughs> look, look, yeah, I, I I actually find Pokemon Go quite enjoyable because I do a lot of walking. Um, yeah, and it just like oh, it makes sense to to sort of have something to do at the same time. Yeah, definitely. Um, actually, she was. Um, we've been trying to get her all of the like. Uh, evolutions or whatever they're called yeah i'm i'm not a pokemon fan by the way so this is all um <laughs> all new to you 
anyway, we she evolved a, a, a Flareon, and she was like, oh, I didn't really want Flareon, but that's fine. I'll get the next one. And then the next one was a Flareon. And she goes, <laughs> if this third one is a Flareon, then I'm probably just going to leave. And uh, the third one was not a Flareon. So I'm very thankful to <laughs> still have my girlfriend with me today. Um, <laughs> but... And it it kind of brought up this this conversation that that we both had about um about her love for Nintendo and the fact was that it was this thing that was a formative part of her life and she did feel somewhat embarrassed by the fact that she still liked Pokemon and I was like it's not really something to be embarrassed about I don't think liking any no. individual thing is something to be embarrassed about and I think now more than ever people like to cling on to. Mm. what made them happy especially when they were younger yeah and that's why you have things like uh you know the crash bandicoot remake the spyro remake <laughs> yeah and it also it, it it makes consumers very happy it makes customers uh extremely happy yeah and even blizzard with their announcement of classic world of warcraft have kind of jumped on that bandwagon and said like they're they're essentially making a statement about the state of their game where they're saying Retail WoW is fine, but we know that you all want to play the WoW that you played, what was it now, probably 14 years ago or something like that? Yeah, it's been a while since that came yeah. out. Yeah, <laughs> and people are absolutely crazy for yeah. it. They're just like, they're so ready to jump, to jump, in the to, yeah, to, to, to <laughs> jump back to that time. Yeah. And I don't think it has anything necessarily to do with the quality of the game. And I'm not saying that Classic WoW was, a quality, was not a quality game. I'm saying that people just want to return to that time. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, yeah. You, you see consoles that. of the SNES and the SNES and the NES Mini that they sell like hotcakes. Like, you can't pick one up uh, after release day because they're gone. They're all gone. Um, Obviously, a cash grab from Nintendo, so... And why not? Um, Because that nostalgia is based in people and people love nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, <look. laughs> I wasn't going anywhere. I was not going anywhere with that. Well, I mean, like it's 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 so true, and it's something that we actually kind of relied a little bit on with Double Shot, where we it was around the time when you know things like Kung Fury and like Synthwave had been around for a couple of years, but it was really starting to take off. Um, and recently, I it took me what, seven years to watch this movie called Drive? I don't know if either of you have seen Drive uh, with yeah, Ryan Gosling. Years and years ago. Oh, yes, I have. Yeah, yes, yeah. Have. and the whole thing is shot like an, like an 80s movie. Yeah. With, you know, all yeah. those beautiful uh, color palettes and, you know, camera angles and the story and all that. And it it's something that we relied on a little bit to kind of market our game. It's like, hey, it's 80s, it's synthwave, it's cool. Like, you know. Yeah. Um, it works. It, it, it works. It works. People, people who would have absolutely no interest in a game like that whatsoever are still drawn to our game because it's... And I've seen um, people like who have reviewed our game or have purchased our game or played our game. I Because I'm a bit of a stalker, I look at their Steam <laughs> profiles and stuff. Yeah. And they're just, like, they're just all about Synthwave. And... I really appreciate understanding our market a little bit more because one of the things that we were concerned about was, is the synthwave part of our game really a selling point? And it turns out that it is. Yeah. Yeah. 
and people well, like in in the 80s and stuff they're the ones with the money that are spending the money on on these yeah on the vr systems now so you've you're kind of like doubling up on your idea that okay we, we want an 80s game and you know the people with the money have are from the 80s that are going to buy uh how was that 30 no wait yeah 30 oh 30s 40s yeah, yeah. that's about the market yeah. that we're aiming for that, yeah I, like I, I think it's it's people with with disposable income basically and yeah you know that's not going to be your 13 year olds and your 14 year olds and whatever <laughs> no uh not that not that we would ever sell them our game because our game is uh quite a mature game so we don't want to you know but i think that when you're making a game it's important to understand what kind of market you're appealing to yeah definitely yeah so um where do you what do you see yourself uh and double shot in say five years time you see it growing or you see it just kind of oh i I guess in you're hoping it's going to grow in five years but like look if it sells a million copies, it sells a million copies. I think it's going to be one of those hidden gems on Steam that people occasionally dig up. Um, yeah. I'm kind of happy to divorce myself from it and to say this this was a great project. I don't regret a second of working on it, but I want to do something different creatively now. Yeah. Um, yep. Because that was fun. It was a, it was a great arcadey sort of game. I kind of yep. call it uh, Pax Bait in a way because it was a game that works really well at PAX because it's so fun to watch. Yeah. But I think now we kind of want to find what it is that excites us in terms of making games. And that was certainly something that excited us, but I think if we can be a little bit more diverse or we can find a model that works where you can basically build something from the ground up, then we're going to be pretty happy. Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll go a little bit more into this. Uh, what, what, what What do you want to make? Like in five years' time? What's the next game that um, Everton Realities is gonna is gonna produce? Look, man, I think there's gonna be a whole brand new genre. I think that we're currently in this infancy of what VR games can be, and I think there's gonna be like the most amazing experiences that we can't even fathom in five years' time, and I think that's what we're probably gonna be. Yeah, I have you seen Sword Art Online? Yeah, and. Look, I love that I'm, not, <laughs> I'm, I'm not particularly keen to like trap anyone. Um, yeah. in game. And I think I, I honestly I think that that uh, MMOs have have had their day. Um, I think that there's a lot less interest in MMOs based on even looking at like the um, even looking at like the market, and you look at there's like three or four MMOs that are just doing well. And it's like, how do you even begin to break into that market? Mm. And I think that VR is definitely going to get more immersive, but I think that the next couple of years, not even the next five years, I think the next five years will be where it arrives. But I think the next couple of years are going to be the, where it actually pivots and what direction it goes in because you've got places doing these like super cool things with like, uh, like augmented uh, reality and all that sort of thing. And that's really cool. Yeah, I'm. I'm just really interested to see where where it all goes in the end because I have a feeling that it's going to go in a direction that we can't even fathom right now. I'm thinking well, I'm, there's I'm a YouTube there's a YouTube video out there. Uh, I'll post it. I'll I'll link it one day. I've spoken about it heaps, but it's this person wearing these glasses that are AR, and oh, I guess it's mixed reality where you've got your screen on in your glasses 
and you get to click your buttons on your screen and stuff like that. I reckon that that's where we're heading is that where we're walking down a street and we can be on our computer at the same time. And ideally, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is going to result in probably a fair few more uh, accidents, but yeah, so but yeah, um, I'll I'll link the thing right now. Um, so uh, what would I type in? Mixed reality glasses, glasses. Um, probably stuffing myself I up here. City. I don't know. Um. It's like he's he's like in a city. Hyper hyper reality. It's called. Oh, okay. Um it was from two years ago. <laughs> uh hang on. It's gonna be a bit weird here. This is what it is. <laughs> I, I I've just linked it then. Oh yep. Is this in where's this? Place? I don't know. This is like a a thing that someone made it's not real it's like this is where i see oh okay oh, this is what colors and patterns i've got so many things up at the moment so i can't really see the full this is where i see uh <laughs> i the... think that this is not necessarily too far from from the truth of what it's going to be like and i think it's yeah. it's going to be it's because having a smartphone completely changed how people act yeah, and I think that that this is this is going to be an, an equally strange thing for a lot of people. Um, and with all that being said, like this is this is obviously a, a very uh, far out kind of yeah. uh, imagination, but a lot of this stuff is not going to be too far from the truth. And um, I think, like I said, what happens in the next couple of years is going to completely dictate what all this is actually like whether all this is going to be the case, like what it's all going to look like, all that sort of thing. And, you know, I'm for one, I'm really excited for the future. Yeah. So am I. Um, What, what technology advancements will help uh, with future game development? Do you think? Well, hardware is always going to be the, the, the biggest thing. And I think that in terms of game development, it's kind of okay at the moment. I think the big thing is making sure that consumers can get their level of hardware that they need to play your game. And I think that's that's the biggest hurdle. Is yeah. I want people to play double shot, but I, people have to currently spend close to two thousand two thousand five hundred dollars if they don't have a you know PC and a headset. Yeah. And to me, that is absolutely ludicrous. So yeah. I think it is going to get to a point where that isn't the case anymore. No, like it'll just be yeah, a pair of glasses that have the hardware built in to them for a couple hundred bucks eventually. Well, yeah, like a phone. Yeah, a phone price. It'd be like <laughs> it'd just be like a phone in um in ten years time. I, I this is where I'm I'm going. Like I'm going I'm going full VR in the future. Not absolutely. Sorry, do you mind if I just quickly be right back? I'll just be one sec. Sorry about that. Yeah, no worries. No, that's fine. No, I feel like um oh, I can't wait. Oh, if it went into like a full dive system, like in sort of, I'd be happy with that. Just not getting oh, trapped. Yeah, not getting trapped. That would suck. That's why I wanted to kill me. But uh, going like having it online, like uh, as you're walking down the street, would be cool too. I know. As that's uh, crazy. As Chris said, that I'm gonna watch a video after this because what internet's going really fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> so most of that I missed because it just kept going. Oh yeah, that's silly. Right. That's all right. 
I can see your mouth moving, but nothing coming out. <laughs> yeah, but it's just happened now, so I should have screenshotted that. <laughs> I'm I'm doing that on on purpose. Yeah, I know you are, but like it actually froze on your mouth being like wide open because <laughs> you were talking at the same time your mouth was open, so I knew. Need to get some headphones, son. Me? Yeah. No, I'm alright. Why? I don't know. I look fine like this. This this will just have to go up as it is, so. Just do little jigs. Huh? Like intermission. I wish we were editing this. Hang on. You won't be able to hear it, but. Ah, but ah, but 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 Elevator music. I didn't hear that. Oh, it's elevator music. Elevator music. Okay. Is that on your Spotify premium? This is on YouTube. <laughs> no, I was joking. <laughs> oh, for this, I might play some Spider Man again. Spooty Man. Some Spooty Man. Jesus Christ, it's 10 past 10. Yep. I'm going to keep Chris up. <laughs> I'm just jamming to my tunes here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did you want to jump on 76 or not? Uh, see what time it is after. Yeah. Uh, we'll leave it for tomorrow night or something. If you want. We'll see what time we finish up. I should head to bed early tonight, but I won't, so. <laughs> I feel fucked. To anybody listening right now, we are in intermission. This is where the jams are coming from. Make sure you go follow Chris from Aberrant Realities on his on his Twitter, which is Twitter at A B R E A L D E V Dev. You can check them out on their website, aberrantrealities.com. A B E R R A N T realities.com. And you can check them out on their Steam store. Uh, just type in double shot in the Steam store, and I'm assuming that will come up. I will check later. So make sure you go give them some love as we listen to this groovy elevator music. But I can't hear them. Hear what? Yeah, elevator music. I know you can't. I can, though. Oh. Our, our, our listeners will be able to hear it as well. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that, gents. Oh, no worries. Just let me turn my... <laughs> right. Just let me turn my elevator music off. All right. <laughs> I had some elevator... Oh, great, Charlie. I had some... Uh, Perfect. Had some elevator music going. As we waited. <laughs> oh, my Lord. 
a nice little intermission of the podcast. That's good. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, I I gave your 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 stuff a plug again there as well. So you you lucked out. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. So um, <laughs> all right, we'll continue then. Welcome back. Thank you. All right. Um, what do we got? What do we got, Marshy? Ah, oh, so. Well, oh, go. On. Oh, go. Okay. Are you going? No, you're going. Okay, sweet. Because my internet's going a bit fuzzy, so I didn't know if you were going or it just went up on me. So, would you have had to get double shot copyrighted, or do you think? Or, well, I would get it copyrighted, but would it was it like cheap or was it expensive or? I don't think we were. Uh, look, we own the IP for Double Shot. I don't think we were ever too worried about people copying our idea. Um, yep. People came close a couple of times, but no one quite really got our idea and our vision for the game. And look, I think at the end of the day, uh, life imitates art. If your life is like Double Shot, then I have some serious concerns. Um, <laughs> but look, everyone gets inspired by everything. And yeah. Look, I, I'll wholeheartedly say that plagiarism ain't okay, but, um, you know, look, we took a lot of inspiration, a lot of ideas from a lot of other games, and I'm sure, well, I would be personally flattered if people took inspiration and ideas from our game, but yeah, whether that happens or not is fine. Look, uh, short answer to your question is, um, you know, man, I'm just a game designer. I don't really look into that stuff too much. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. But... There is this big conversation around copywriting and merchandise and all that. That, yeah, you know, I think that it's important to cover all like all your bases. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah. All right, so you don't get a lawsuit for <laughs> <laughs> <Or> one. <laughs> so, um, Twitch recently did something with their musical stuff that you can't play music on their on their website anymore, or else, or else you can get banned. Um, so. Wow. Do you find it easy easy enough to gain musical artists that are willing to showcase their craft in your games, or do you use a royalty-free uh, website, or a mixture of both? Uh, we actually have a programmer who just super conveniently can write Synthwave in his spare time. So oh, nice. He literally just wrote the entire soundtrack for our game. We gave him the thumbs up, and... You know, he went back over to his little programming desk and kept on programming. And Bob he did Gironi. a really, really, really good job on um, job on the soundtrack. It was like it's there's some bangers in there. That's really interesting <laughs> about Twitch, though. That's going to make things pretty boring, I imagine, for a lot of streamers to have to just sit there in like, silence. And... Art streaming and stuff like that. It's going to take a big hit on the art stream. So, but that's rough. But like, uh, indie artists are going to will benefit benefit from that because bigger art streamers will be able to play an indie um indie artist on their stream yeah absolutely if they get permission from the artist that uh twitch can't do anything but yeah twitch uh cracking down pretty hard over that so i'm assuming there was a something over yes a a lawsuit of some sort that's rough yeah definitely and it just ruined it for most people, really. Like, yeah, like art streams and chill streams and stuff like that. Like, even when I'm playing RuneScape on stream sometimes, that I just have music in the background because RuneScape's boring as shit. 
<laughs> their games aren't that great. <laughs> uh, their games sound sorry. Yeah. <laughs> They're very basic. <laughs> Have you ever played RuneScape, Chris? I was an avid RuneScape player no. for most of my, my young teenage <laughs> Yeah, that was us. I've just gotten back into it. So, <laughs> once again, man, it's all coming around. It's all coming full circle. That whole nostalgia thing. Yeah, and oh, especially with it just being released on mobile, um, RuneScape mobile. I'm like, yes, let's go. And now I've got to download it on my computer. And yeah, nostalgia one hundred and one. <laughs> all right, it's on mobile now as well. Yeah, it's on mobile that's, now. Yeah, that's cool. That's super cool. Yeah. Oh, and they did a really good job of it. Really good, yeah, too. they did a really good job on it. Like, it's not just a complete port. Like, it's a huge game in the end. Like, you think about, like, the map and stuff, it's huge. They have that... And everything that's put into it. They have that in a... Uh, on a phone is pretty cool. Even though the graphics are a bit... You know, how you going? Well, I don't know if that's on purpose or not, though, Luke. Because it is old school RuneScape. Why are you talking about the actual normal one? What are we going on about? I was still getting. I was talking about old school RuneScape. Yeah, yeah. they got the other. Like, no, I'm talking about mobile. I'm talking about mobile RuneScape. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about too. Because yeah. they've got the beta version of the normal one on there too. Do they? Yeah, I okay. thought that's what you were talking about. No shit, I've I seen it on there. I oh, no shit, I didn't even know. Okay, you can't get onto it because it's already <laughs> full. <laughs> I've tried. <laughs> I didn't even know they had a beta for the um the new RuneScape. Okay, there we go. Yeah, it's a print registration. There you go. Yeah, yeah. That's well, what they you want. A pre-rage. What's that? Well, just to have Sadly. your game game be so popular that you can't even get any more users onto it. I mean, it's terrible yeah. for you, but it's a good sign that people really want to play. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I, um, because I know they only allow a few for some of the games. Like there was one game that I downloaded, I pre-registered for it. Sorry, and then as soon as it came out, release. For us that are pre-registered, we got all these like special bonuses and things like that just for supporting the game. So it's yeah, it's a big thing. Now I look all the time for pre-registration. <laughs> but early adoption really helps games out a lot because it it gives you a little bit of security that your user base is going to be there. Yeah. yeah. So did you have many people that uh, what's it called on wish listed your game on Steam? Um. Uh, more than we thought, and it was kind of cool to be able to get into Steam's backend and, or into the developer area, I should say. We're not delving directly into Steam's backend or anything like that, but to see all of the um, to see all of the metrics associated with your game, and to see you know where your players are, all that sort of cool stuff. Um, who's wish listing your game and all that? It just it helped us a lot. Yeah, to understand our audience. I'm thinking, Daddy. He's just losing his mind. I know what he's laughing at, too. About <laughs> going into their rear end. <laughs> you are, aren't you? Yeah. I'm a <laughs> filthy animal. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I didn't even think about it when I said it. Now I'm thinking about it, and I'm losing my mind a little bit. <laughs> I'm a filthy I'm a filthy animal. Oh, I'm sorry, Chris. Must be the... Look, I promise not to delve into any more backends. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, I'm composed. So, yeah, it was it, it was really cool to see that part of it. It was cool to see all the people, like to see all the metrics of it. But <laughs> oh, terrible! 
at the end of the day, I think I we, knew it was going to start <laughs> off. Yeah, that's all right. I think at the end of the day, we were kind of like, yeah, that's cool. And then we kind of moved on from it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the wish list, like, do many people buy it from the wish list or is it just like people just wish list it to, I guess, keep, uh, keep in contact with the developer to see when it's released and stuff like that? Yeah. I think a fair few people are probably waiting for it to come out of early access. Yeah. Because sometimes early access can be a complete crapshoot about whether you're actually going to get something out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be buggy as shit. Yeah. And look, I'm not saying our game isn't buggy as shit, but um, I think we've been pretty transparent about, and I think that having that level of communication and transparency is what helps people understand that we're still working on it. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, like going on like the transparency, transparency, and people, and you receiving feedback and stuff like that. So, um, it can be profitable to be a little bit offensive sometimes. Yeah. Yet the smallest infraction can snowball into a huge problem. With stuff like Nintendo recently removing the feather from Mister Game and Watch. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard about that. Well, I'm not. Okay. So uh, Nintendo got a little bit of backlash from consumers that uh mr game and watch had an indian feather on his head during a special move i'm not quite sure where he had it but he had a uh, feather that represented the indian american race and obviously they removed it before the game was released this is super smash brothers um have you ever experienced this while creating a game uh creating double shot Oh, look, there's not really that much to be offended about Double Shot. Um, we never went through and were like, here's where we're going to put super offensive stuff. Um, I think yeah. that, look, I think that understanding what it is that you do that is offensive is important. And I think listening to your community and saying, look, you know, we need to dial this back, we need to do this, 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 whatever. Yeah. I think for us, we haven't done anything like that. We haven't um, made anything that was particularly offensive, and that's fine by us. Yeah, we want to keep it that way. We want to keep. We want to keep being cool. We want to keep being happy. Um, but yeah, look, I think that, and especially now that there's more of an understanding about and uh, or there needs to be anyway, more of an understanding, more of a kind of cultural shift into. Um, being a lot more respectful of people. I think that it's it's good that things like that happen and I think but I think it's also important that it becomes a teachable moment, that it becomes something for people to learn from. Um yeah. and at the end of the day, we're all human, we all make mistakes. I think a lot of it comes down to how we react to those mistakes. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Yeah, so hundred percent. But look, there's we removed all the super offensive stuff from Double Shot very early. Like, there's no, there's no drugs. Even though I really wanted drugs, and you know, well, anyway, <laughs> there's a, there's that's a that's another hill for me to die on another time. But um, yeah. I think that there's just there's a certain, and especially with how, uh, content, content is a lot, uh more kind of agnostic in terms of what's allowed on steam nowadays but yeah there was yeah. a time period there where it was like you had to be pretty careful yeah 
And I'm not saying that's necessarily a good or a bad thing. I'm just saying that's how it works. Yeah, and it's, it's how it is now. People are people are offended by a little bit too much sometimes, and and I guess that's okay. They can be offended by whatever they want to be offended by. Yeah. Um. I, yeah. Sometimes it gets a little bit too political, and yes, egos kind of start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, but I, I just I just sit there in my spreadsheets. I don't really wanna. Yeah, I don't really I, want to start anything. I agree a hundred percent that I just it's too much hassle to dive into that, and it's just easier sometimes to say, okay, yeah, whatever, I'll do that to keep them happy, sort of thing, I guess. At yeah. the end of the day, and look, I'm always going to listen to what people have to say. So yeah, and whether it's, like it's no skin off my teeth. Yeah, and like at the end of the day, it might might even improve your game or. You'll go, you're an idiot sort of thing. Um, or a little bit of both. Absolutely. 100%. Um, yeah. I mean, this might be a bit off topic, but what would be the best software to start with game design development? Is there anything in particular, or is uh, it just kind of look, more preference? It's all down to preference at the end of the day. I think that there's so many pieces of software out there now that it's like... It's a lot easier to pick yeah. it up. Um, I think the easiest one to start off with is something like Game Maker. Um, okay. Yep. We use Unity. Yep. Uh, a lot of people swear by Unreal Engine. Look, just have a play around with it all and you'll quickly work out what it is exactly that you're comfortable with. Nothing. I'm terrible That's at all. <laughs> I, I tried to. Look, I tried to. Uh, what was it? I think I downloaded Unity and I had no idea what I was doing, so I deleted it. Like I had no idea. Like I couldn't even draw a line. Ah! There's there's a heck of a lot of reading involved when you're starting to learn these. Um, there's just yeah. so much. Yeah. And googling. Yeah. Like I, you I was, do a lot of research. I was well over my head. <laughs> so, um, what else we got, Marshy? Um, is there anything else that? you'd like to say before we finish up? Because I think we've been going for a fair bit of time at the moment. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to me bloody rant just about anything that I can think of. No, um, well, ranting is good for us. It's, yeah. always, <laughs> it's always really cathartic to just be able to come out and just like... Unleash. Splurge all about the things that have been in your mind for the past few weeks of just like... Yeah. Yeah, and look, the, ever since PAX, there was just so much to think about and... Oh, man, Pax was awesome. Melbourne was an awesome city. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, just, even the food, <laughs> man, I was, like, I was absolutely enamoured. Um, yeah. And then you had Crown next door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, look, I'm not a, I'm not a high roller. Um, I usually buy... Oh, a <laughs> oh, oh, well, yeah, of course, could have gone there. Look, I was, well, I was going to say, you know, I usually buy a scratchy once a year, but... Um, <laughs> didn't, didn't really want to risk, risk losing it all in, in Melbourne. Um, <laughs> no, look, we were staying just up the road actually. Um and oh, it was really? it was so it's such a nice city to get around. Um, yeah. It's very you know, like, grid. Oh, it, like you, you you can't possibly get lost. Um went to GG Easy Bar. Yeah. Um we were awesome, tr- we, awesome little place. We tried to get in there but uh it was so packed. Was yeah. yeah, yeah, I can imagine it would have been packed. We went um the week before. Oh and, yeah. yeah. We went kind of at the end. We were basically all just sitting there drinking, and you know they threw on Dota for me. They, I was like, "Come on, man, can we watch some Dota?" And he was like, "Yeah." And he just put it on for me, and it was like, 
it was heaven, man. It's such a nice place. Yeah. Um, and look, just Melbourne in general was awesome. Um, amazing, amazing fur place down the road. Um, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Um, what was it? Uh, like faux pho. Oh yeah, no like idea. The, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, look, that was just the most amazing place down the road, and it was just like, it's probably the part I'm going to miss the most about about <laughs> Melbourne is uh, is, that, is all that that good food. But yeah, look, anyway, yeah, I think that's about all I got to say on on that topic. Yeah, awesome. Um, thanks to, oh, thanks for joining up. us today. Um, Thank I, you so much for having uh, me. I uh, appreciate you coming on. Always happy to. So do I. Um, great insight. Yeah. Everything really. Yeah, you you. A lot of uh, interesting information and good information, of course. That, well, um, everything I say should be taken with a grain of salt because yeah, you're talking you know. from your experience. And, yeah, yeah, and who knows whether what I say is actually true or not? <laughs> well, it's true for your story, you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, to anybody, uh, to anybody that's listened, uh, make sure you do go follow. Aberrant Realities um, on their Twitter. You can follow them at, at A B A B E R. Oh, bloody hell. At A B R E A L D E V. Ab Real Dev. And you can check out their website at Aberrant Realities. A B E R R A N T. Realities. R E A L I T I E S. Dot com. Not AU. I don't think it's an AU. Just a dot no com. AU. Just and, dot com. Yeah, and make sure you, if you do have a VR system, uh, Chris did mention that it should work on uh, the mixed reality headsets. Oh, don't quote me on that. It it should. It, it should. should. Yeah. It should. Uh, make sure you do go follow this Steam store. Uh, you can type in double shot in the Steam search bar, or you can type in store.steampowder.com forward slash app forward slash eight six double nine five zero five I'll do that again app forward slash eight six nine five five zero forward slash double underscore shot slash make sure yeah go show them some love guys uh, I'd appreciate it very much and thank or you we'll just provide the link to that yeah, underneath we'll, the video yeah and we'll provide the link <laughs> we'll provide links don't worry guys don't if you can't under, understand what I said, uh, there'll be links down the bottom. Make sure you do go check them out. Um, and yeah, we're signing out. I guess that, that's it from us. Yeah. Um. All right. So here's my little outro. Boom. Do do boom boom boo do 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 boo do boo. You copyrighted again, mate. I did. I swear that's Mario. It's not Mario. It's it's a, <laughs> it's a mixture. It's a little hint of it. <laughs>